Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, J. Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Now, blow it up and side in. This is On the X. Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. J. Paul Jackson back again with you today, along with uh, my co-host, the handsome, the charming, the uber-talented, and the very, very bald, Jeffrey Whitlock. <laughs> you know, that that was going so well for just a minute, going really, really good until that very last part. You know, and I, I might have said this before, J. Paul, but I'll be honest, any man that you ever meet, and you don't understand what I'm talking about, J. Paul, because you have good hair. But every bald man out there is like really like hard-hearted about it. Yeah, like, yeah, I like being bald and it's great and everything's good. But deep down inside, Jay Paul, we all shed a single tear anytime you mention being bald. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, buddy, I am so sorry. I did not know that. And no, I'm sitting here, you know, for you guys that listen to us on Podbean or on iTunes, you need to go over to the Excel Boats YouTube channel and check us out too, because we put up most of the video recordings. We did this through a uh, app called Zoom where we get video and audio, so you can check out the the video part of it. But now, you know, I'm looking at you on the video because you're out there in Salt Lake and I'm here in Tennessee, and I mean, it is so smooth. Your dome is so smooth and shiny. I have always assumed that you were bald by choice because you keep it so neatly shaved and it looks great. You know, it it uh, is not, unfortunately, by <laughs> choice. But, uh, you know, we do we do what we can with it. It's my Lex Luthor look. You know, I feel like I'm a little more, uh, in, like, intimidating when <laughs> very, very smooth. People assume that I, uh, you know, well, or something, show <laughs> off my chrome dome. But, uh, no, no, it's okay. It really doesn't. Most of the time, most of the time, I really don't mind. But given the choice, Jay Paul, I would switch you in a heartbeat for your thick locks. <laughs> well, mine are thinning rapidly though, Jeff, I'll tell you, they really are. And it's getting a lot of gray in it too. But you know what? I, it's like I told a guy the other day, I'll take gray over or I, I don't, with my big ass ears. I wouldn't look nearly as handsome bald as you do. I mean, you look good. I, I don't take long walks holding hands or anything, but you'd look good. You're a very handsome bald guy. You well, I appreciate that. Beard. Yeah, well, you know, you got to make up for it. So I like to, you know, I like to keep the beard around sometimes, you know, remember what it's like to have hair growing somewhere. I don't know, you know. <laughs> but uh, that's besides the point, Jay Paul. Let's move on from this uh, mildly <laughs> embarrassing topic. <laughs> oh, my God. I bet Dave Reels is so glad he's not with us now. And by the way, folks, Dave won't be joining us today. We've got some. Uh, Corporate meetings that luckily I didn't have to fly out there and attend. Dave's tied up in meetings. We miss him bad. He's such a great part of the show and such a great host. Uh, Dave, we wish you were here with us today. And I don't envy him being tied up. Uh, no. You said you No, walk- no. In fact, I uh, I walked down and I, I looked through the window just real briefly because DJ's in there who we had on the podcast a few weeks ago and our CFO and our CEO and all of the, the big wigs of the company are down there. And it, uh, it looked a little intimidating. I'm, I'm pretty glad I'm, I'm not involved. It's, it's intense yeah. down there right now. Very, very somber faces. 
<laughs> you know, and my feelings were hurt when I first found out about it. I felt so left out, you know. I mean, being the business operations manager, a company executive, I thought. And then I heard what it was all about. And, and Glenn said, no, we need you in Tennessee right now working on that. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I am so glad. Yeah. And we can be here today, you and I. Just you That's and I right. That's exactly right. I'd much rather be here doing this podcast than down there looking at spreadsheets. Amen, buddy. And coming up here in just a few minutes, by the way, we're going to be joined by our special guest today, uh, Mr. Sean Weaver of uh, Dreamweaver Creative. Um, Dreamweaver Creative is a production company, does a lot of different other things in the creative world as well, though, in marketing. And we'll get some more information from Sean about that. But uh, for us, it's really cool to get to get, have Sean on here because Sean is also the producer and editor of our favorite waterfowling series, The Grind Waterfowl on the Pursuit Channel. And uh, Sean is the guy that does his magic and makes Bill Wilroth and Ricky from Lucky Duck look so good and let me tell you i hope bill's not listening because i know it's a lot of damn work to make bill wilroth look good <laughs> you know i was uh, i was going through uh, their website just a little bit earlier today and the thing is and i and you probably know just what i'm talking about jay paul but like we have you and i we have experience kind of working in that field um in different in different aspects and i feel like i know just enough about what they do to know how much i don't know about it amen you know you know what i'm saying oh i know exactly what guys are so good their stuff is so clean it's incredible to see and sometimes it makes it makes me feel really happy and the rest of it it makes me feel very bad about myself sometimes yeah well let me tell you you got to have the eye I mean, and you're an excellent photographer. I mean, you do have the, I've worked with these guys. Of course, I had my own series for years. And mm -hmm. I really, really respect what guys like Sean and, and uh, Max and the other guys on his team do because, you know, not everybody out there can take a look at the way the light's coming off of the water or off of a leaf or, you know, the little bitty things that, that they catch, you know, while we're out there. I know there was uh, and I can't, Sean can tell us when he comes on. I mean, I can't remember if it was Sean or Max, but man, one of them got this amazing shot of our ducks hanging up and a big old drop of water dropping off of the duck's bill and splashing on the ledge there in the blind. And it was just very artistic, very cool shot. I, yeah. I, you know, I can't draw a stick, man. I have... <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't man it's like music drawing and musical instruments you know I can barely play the damn radio okay I sure can't play the piano or anything and I can't I can't draw anything at all I don't have the eye like that like you do too but uh yeah these guys are very good at what they do and by the way Bill Roth, Will Roth if you're listening I was just joking uh Bill looks good all the time but I want to get invited back next year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. But that is, you are right. It is one of our most favorite shows. I do, I do love, I'm really excited to talk to them. But before, um, before we uh, get to him, I just want to bring up, uh, so the season is, is over, Jay Paul. On a scale of one to 10, how <laughs> sad are you that the season is over? Oh, how sad am I on a scale of one to 10? You know, uh, right now I'm about a 10, man. I went yesterday. I've got a really good friend who's looking at a piece of property that I hunt on from time to time, and I went to show it to him yesterday afternoon, and it was loaded with ducks. And we were there in the 
in the blind there on this piece of property, just let him take some videos from the blind. And here comes a big group, like 20 mallards, just right down into the hole. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, this is horrible. Because you know, <laughs> so on a scale of one to 10 on how sad I am, I'm a nine or a 10 today. Now, I thought you were gonna ask me on a scale of one to 10, what was duck season like? Right. And I don't like to talk about negative integers. <laughs> it was bad. No, exactly. And that's, um, that's what it is because everybody has kind of said that. So I don't like to ask that question anymore because I already know what the answer is going to be because it was the same here in Utah as it was just about everywhere else. It was a, it was a pretty, pretty tepid year. So I don't want to, I don't want to bring up that negative energy. So, you know, let's, uh, maybe it's, uh, what do we do to move on? Maybe that's a good question. What, what do we do to move on? Well, you know, we'll get Sean on here in a minute because he's going to give us, I want to talk about this with him. I I don't want to put you off, but I want to hold that subject for a minute because what's cool about today and having Sean on, in addition to being a videographer, a producer, an editor, Sean also loves to hunt. I mean, he, he shoots them with his camera now and loves that. And that's an art in itself, too. And it's there's not a whole lot of difference when you're really, really good at it, though. Between And we'll talk about this, too, between shooting them with the camera and shooting them with the gun. You know, with the gun, we want to watch them fold. With the camera, it, it, it's the same deal when you get that shot. It's just like making that, you know, over your shoulder, going behind the blind, crush them dead, where everybody goes, wow. It's the same way with the camera. But he is sean's a hunter as well so today we've got the opportunity because he lives in eastern south dakota i believe and you're out there in utah so you're in the pacific flyway he's in the central flyway i'm in the mississippi flyway we're gonna have the opportunity to get the perspective from three different guys who love to hunt in three different flyways and uh, i got some ideas about the future i think that next year is going to be a hell of a lot better but i want to get you guys take here in, in in just a minute um, when we get him on. But before we do that, uh, I want to tell you about something really cool that I read today. Okay. I got my copy of the American Rifleman Magazine, and I'm a life member of the NRA. And if you're a hunter and a gun owner, whether you agree with everything about the NRA or not, um, you should be a member because they are our first line of defense against the anti-hunters out there and the anti-gun people. And, you know, right now we're in a really, really good place. I like to build ARs for a hobby and it's easy to get parts. And, you know, unfortunately, well, actually fortunately, because the gun climate is much, much more friendly right now to responsible firearm, firearm owners. You know, the prices on them aren't real, real high, which is a good thing. But, you know, that may not continue forever. But I saw a really interesting little brief news deal in the right American Rifleman uh, that pointed out that in several cities across America, and the most notable one was New Orleans, crime and particularly homicide rates are down significantly over the last few years, while gun control laws have either remained the same or in some cases, like in uh, Sean's great state of South Dakota, they just legalized any, any citizen that can lawfully purchase a pistol can carry it, can carry a handgun. Huh. So, but like, oh, that's an open carry. Open carry, open carry. Yeah. And maybe concealed too. We'll have to ask Sean about that. I don't know, but I, I think it's concealed too. Um, mm-hmm. But what was cool about this 
despite the fact that gun control, new, no new gun control laws, or even less restrictive ones, uh, in several cities, the homicide and crime rate is down significantly. And in New Orleans, it's down by 47%. Wow. One of the deadliest cities in America is no longer so deadly. And, right. And the reason for that, uh, they credited to responsible gun ownership and better law enforcement and policing practices. Yes. You know, and, and for years, you know, it's been all about, I've always said, you, you know, if you make guns illegal, only the criminals are going to have them. You know, a, a non-criminal should have a gun. He's not a threat. Right. Focus, you know, guns don't kill people. People kill people. Sure. And I think that this is an excellent example that, of how better law enforcement practices and maybe even more lax gun control restrictions, lower crime. What do you think about that? Um, I I agree with with a lot of that. I uh, it's you know, and it's so funny. Which maybe the the one problem I have with that is that the moment we begin to discuss any kind of gun reform, that's when people freak out. You know, like it's almost like we're we can't even discuss it. But I, I'm I'm with you on that. I I do believe that that people kill people, not, not guns. And that responsible gun ownership is, is so incredible. And it would be, uh, that's why I love stories like this too, is that there are, there are so many sides and, and positive things about gun ownership. Um, and, and of course I, I, you, you know, carry, I believe that, way, Jeff? yeah, go ahead. Do you carry? I don't carry. Um, I have looked into it. I, here, I would need, I would never open carry here, but here we need a, uh, you, you've got to take a class. It's a pretty intense situation to be able to uh, concealed carry. Um, and I just haven't done it yet. Um, though I probably will. Um, yeah, you uh, know, in different I've parts of the world. Several, like, like Keith, who who has been on a bunch, he he carries, we've got several people here that carry. And there have been times in my life where I, wish I was caring. There are always situations that, that I believe it's, it's necessary. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's such a tough thing, but I, I love to hear that, that crime is down. You, do you remember, I'm trying to think where I heard this, but there, there were situations in the past where criminals really would outgun the local authorities, right? Sure. I mean, that's that's the reason why authorities are carrying the weapons they are today, because before they were carrying clubs and, and the criminals would have a gun, a, a small revolver, and it just escalates that way. And Yeah, I mean, I can remember when most policemen carried a, a Smith & Wesson revolver, six rounds and you're done, or yeah, it's six, a J-frame. You know, and today, uh, yeah, I've got several friends in law enforcement, and a lot of days they'll come over, all of them, all of them have an assault rifle right oh, absolutely. in the center, in the front, where they can get to a quick shit It's almost always locked in place, you know, yep. so somebody can't just break into their cruiser or their unmarked car and take it. But yeah, you know, and, and what we found, uh, you know, in, in research this, reading in one, another one of the things in the article, actually, and I think you're gonna see this way evident in South Dakota, I know it's evident in Florida, the easier it is for the upstanding citizen, the legal guy that can buy a gun to carry, 
the lower the crime rate's going to be in that area. And, you know, I, I just thought, thought today as I was thumbing through that, I know that's not on the hunting subject, but all of us are gun owners. I mean, we all hunt. You got to own a gun. Well, I guess exactly. you be a bow hunter, <laughs> bow hunt only. Kind of hard for ducks, although I do know a couple guys that do it, but Freddie does. Really? But that's hey, not his problem. He, he carries a gun more than he carries <laughs> yeah. a gun. Yeah, he yeah. would, right? <laughs> he would. I mean, he would. He'd be the one. <laughs> no, if anybody was, that would be Freddie. Absolutely. But, you know, I, uh, I love this topic, and I love to, I love to hear uh, so much about it just because it's, such a, it's just such a tough debate. I, my big feeling about it is that I wish we could pull some of our strong emotions about it and talk about it more scientifically with these numbers. That's why I love that article that – they have actual statistics that show a certain result. And so often you talk to people about gun control and it is 99.9% .9 emotion. Emotion and rhetoric. You're, you're dead. Yeah, exactly. You're dead on. And, you know, it's really good, even though our, our hunting was down to see that, you know, the climate of, of gun ownership is still improving. It appears, it appears today, yeah. but speaking of hunting, uh, Sean, it looks like he's just ready to call in here and join us. He's broke free. Uh, so <laughs> without any further ado, we're going to bring on our, our buddy, pr uh, producer of the Grind Waterfowl and owner and creative director at Dream Weaver Creative, Mr. Sean Weaver. What's happening, buddy? Hey, how's it going, Jay Paul and Jeffrey? Really great to meet you, Sean. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. We're, we're excited about this. I, I'll, uh, I was listening. I'll chime in quick on the uh, South Dakota thing. That's a, they're calling it a constitutional carry. Cool. So, okay. Purchase firearm can both conceal carry and I believe open carry as well. Now, is that uh, residents yeah. only or like if I'm driving through the state and I can legally own a firearm, I can carry it? You know, I couldn't even, I couldn't even speak one way or another about that. I don't know. For, obviously, for sure, residents. I don't know about non-residents. I know in South Dakota, I can legally have it loaded in my vehicle because South yep. Dakota adheres to the castle law. So your home is your castle. So is your vehicle when you're in it. If you own it, then, then you know, you're, in, you're inside your domain and can. Right. I've yep. got to research that. As much as I come to your great state, you know, but my favorite thing, Jeffrey, have you ever been to South Dakota? I've never been to South Dakota. Well, my favorite thing about South Dakota, and I don't know if it is still there, but um, <laughs> South Dakota is famous for, for billboards, and the most famous is for uh, Wall Drug, a drugstore that's in, it's all the way, is it in Central or Western? It's cross. It's in Western. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's out there by the Black Hills. By the Black Hills. There's a, there's an old drug store. It's ice cream. It's got an ice cream parlor, you know, bar. And, and, and it's like the old, I, I can't remember when I was a kid, uh, Walgreens wasn't what it is today. Uh -huh. There were Walgreens on the square of a lot of towns in the South. And it was, a, it was kind of like a general store with, in the back, a big pharmacy. I mean, the pharmacy was the biggest thing, but along the counter would be, you know, have an ice cream parlor and oh yeah, and all that. So wall drug. When you're driving down I-90, and when you're coming up 29, or I guess any four-lane highway in the state, you're going to see multiple wall drug billboards, aren't you, Sean? Yeah, yeah. Um, you can find them pretty much anywhere. Actually, they kind of pride themselves that they're all around 
the world. You know, there's a famous picture of uh, troops rolling through Baghdad in uh, Humvees with a wall drug sign on the side of the road. <laughs> They're rolling into Baghdad. It's a, it's a pretty famous picture, actually. No, I've seen and, it. Yeah, all, there's the same thing. Wall drugs, all sorts of proud of that. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure they are. And some of them are really, really funny. It's kind of like the here we have in Tennessee, we have Rock City over in the Appalachians on the Tennessee-Georgia border. And there are Sea Rock City billboards all over central and, and middle and east Tennessee and some here in West Tennessee. Not quite as much as Wall Drug, but I, I saw a uh, I saw a troop transport carrier during the Gulf War that had a Sea Rock City sign on the side of it. Nice. In a photo layout that included the wall drug. But what I was about to say, the, the, there are different features, you know, the wall drug ones, and then there are several, you know, that say, hey, we wear fur, you know, if you don't like yeah, it. Uh, yeah. eat, eat steak, wear fur, buy guns. That's the South Dakota way. Hey, man. Yeah. And, but there used to be one when you were coming up from Sioux City, Iowa, up 29, as soon as you crossed over into South Dakota that said, um, Oh gosh, how did it put it exactly? Um, if you it said something like, "If you don't support hunting and eating meat, turn your ass around and leave now." Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can take your ass home. That's what it said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's a lot of those. Got to love a state that when you cross the border, the first billboard you see says, "Hey, if you're anti-gun, anti-hunting, and anti-eating meat." Turn your ass around. You're not Turn your ass around. This, this is not the state for you. South Dakota's, you know, it's pretty proud of that hunting and fishing is a big part of its economy. I mean, pheasant hunting does, the numbers came out on it last year, and I can't remember them off the top of my head, but I want to say that hunting and fishing together were a $1.6 billion industry in South Dakota. Wow. And so, yeah, as far as hotels and travel and, you know, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, we get, I don't even know how many South what are the Dakota five there is. industries in South Dakota? I couldn't find any matching places. Yeah, well, I was just asking Siri off camera here for a yeah. second uh, yeah. how big it is in the economy. She hadn't found anything for me yet, but I know it's huge. I mean, $1.6 man, that's giant. That is. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to fact check myself there, but I'm pretty sure that's a. Uh, because yes, outdoor recreation drives 1.9 billion of economic activity in South Dakota. Wow. All right. So, so as an I'm, industry, where does it fit in? I know it's in the top five, top three. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's top three. I'm sure. Wow. I'm sure cattle. Be is. <laughs> livestock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Agriculture. Ag is king. We always say it. Ag is king you know it yeah um and that's something we faced last year we had uh and you and i have talked about this before jay paul we had a non-meandered waters uh is what they call the issue here where we have lakes that have flooded over private land mm -hmm. and you know the sportsman economy kind of relies on that you can fish on those waters but uh the landowners kind of feel cheated that i can go float a boat right over top of their land and so you know, uh, the last couple of years, we've been trying to find a balance on that because um, obviously it's important that fishermen keep coming here, coming to our state. Uh, 
with 1.9 billion in economic activity, but then at the same time, you know, privacy rights are, you know, that's America in a nutshell too, and especially South Dakota. So it's been a hard balance for the state of South Dakota to find. I, I once read that the population of the state of South Dakota uh, increases by 30 or 40% on opening weekend of pheasant season every year. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Well, I mean, our population is the competition. What are you doing? Did your Xbox come to life? Uh, no, I had a news article pulled up and an ad started on it. <laughs> um, That's like Jay Paul. Jay Paul would rather talk to Siri than, than us two. I'd rather talk to you, buddy, than Siri. I promise you. But I do like talking to her. Although she gets her feelings hurt sometimes, particularly if you do this. Hey, Siri. <laughs> Uh, our, uh, you know, our state population is only 900,000. So, and we have, I want to say one, one to 1.1 million pheasant hunters every year. So, you know, that is wild. That is pheasant hunters than we do. Then you do actual residents in the yeah, state. Yeah. It's yep. unbelievable. Repeat that again for the people that might've missed that, including me. <laughs> yeah, so our, our state population is, I, I want to say it's like 900,000. It's I know it's less than a million for sure. Right, I knew that. Uh, I think it's 850,000 and 900,000, somewhere in there. And our um, our pheasant license sales are over a million. So we have more pheasant hunters coming here than the state resident population, which is pretty crazy. That wow. is crazy. Yeah. That, that that is crazy. Absolutely. That, yeah, that, I'm trying to wrap my head around that about how, and then that's why you are, uh, yeah, your economy would rest so highly on that. I mean, just to house that many people over a over a season, it's got to be. No wonder big. they put up a billboard that says, "If you're anti-hunting, turn your ass around." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, I, uh, let's, let's get into this. I've got some, some questions I'm really anxious to ask you. Um, so what, so you work with the grind waterfowl. Tell me what, yeah. what do you actually do for them? So I was brought on as the producer two season, well, two falls ago, I should say. Um, we've only had one full season air and then this coming season, this fall or summer and fall will, uh, you know, be from the 2018-2019 season. So um, we do all of it. We do everything from filming um, to editing and uh, everything in between. Um, Ricky Hart, that's on the grind as well, he does a lot of the uh, lining up sponsors, uh, you know, arranging uh cooperation with sponsors arranging hunts things of that sort and then you know of course bill Wilroth and tim know as well and so uh bill and tim are the uh owners of the show and uh i actually met them on a hunt in nebraska a couple years ago and uh we kind of hit it off we we got along great they could see that we had, uh, we were kind of up and coming, had some good creative behind us, and uh, here I am. That's fantastic. Uh, what is your, so what's your education? What's your background? Uh, that's actually a pretty strange deal. Um, so I, my folks are scientists. Uh, my dad 
is a PhD in animal science and my mom's a pharmacist. They're brains, brainiacs. <laughs> what happened to you? And yeah, what well, happened? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. quit insulting our guests. Me and Sean are buddies, so I can do that. I can do people I like, okay? You know, so I actually uh I was gonna go to school. Well, I started off going to school for pharmacy, um, did two years of pre-pharmacy and decided I didn't want to be a pharmacist. You didn't want to be a drug dealer. No, I didn't want to be a legal drug dealer. Uh couldn't couldn't convince myself to count pills all day. And so um, I switched to economics and marketing. And at that time, I, part of the reason actually that I switched um, or just realized I didn't want to be a pharmacist as I was working as a hunting guide for a duck hunting lodge here in South Dakota. And uh, I was doing that in the fall along with snow geese in the spring. And while I was there, I'd always liked taking photos since I was a kid. But while I was there, I started filming hunts um, kind of as a marketing tool. Yeah. Um, filmed a few hunts and booked some clients. And I was like, you know what? There might be uh, might be as much of a way to make a living filming hunts and, right. and filming stuff I like as guiding hunts. And so um, Dreamweaver Creative was born. Wow. So. Yeah, I got my degree in economics and marketing, and uh, so you do have a bachelor's degree. Yep, yep, got a BS. Yeah. And so, like with with the editing, you're you're just self taught. Yeah, yeah, no, completely self taught. Um, I never took a class for photography, videography, any of it. Wow, that's that's amazing. That is, you have great. such a great eye. I have to tell you, I I was talking to Jay Paul earlier. We uh, I was going through the website and some of the stuff you guys do is just so incredible. The I I, I think you're brilliant. I that's that's impressive. That's really really impressive. I appreciate that. We uh, I don't know. It it was thousands of hours on YouTube. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, if you want to if you want to learn something, uh, more than likely the internet has what you're trying to learn and uh i agree can i can i ask you per, how, how old are you sean i'm 25 you're 25 cj paul here's the thing this is a thing that I, I it's these this younger generation would give you that answer that youtube you don't need to go to college <laughs> just go to youtube that's all you need all these kids everything they all know comes from youtube that is all it is these days i'm telling you where was it in our day we would have oh, no. Dude, you learn, no doubt. And you, but he's right. You know, I've got into building ARs. I mentioned earlier. I love mm -hmm. messing with them. And and uh, I have a really good friend who's a gunsmith that I hope we have on the show one day uh, here in town. John Carroll at Gun Corp. Uh, and he's a great restoration guy. I'll give a little plug for John and the guys at Gun Corp. He uh, gets restorations from all over the country, but he also likes to build them. Right. And and he helped me build my first one. He said, you know, you need to go home. You, before we come up here and you need to watch a couple of these being built on YouTube and it'll make it so much easier. And then I can show you the little nuances that you've got to learn on your own or from somebody in person. And, right. uh, you know, we were talking about this sitting at dinner one night at Goose Farms. It, that's pretty much what you said about it, Sean. When you, you learn through YouTube, but then you still had to get hands on to figure out. Yeah, for sure. You, uh, I mean, you, you wouldn't learn a thing from YouTube and watching these tutorials if you weren't following right along. Right. And it kind of becomes a repetition thing where 
Um, you could watch the same video 10 times and try to copy it and not, not nail it, not do it right. Especially with things like uh, special effects or graphics, things of that nature. Um, I, I guess the lesson there is that despite what 25 year olds may think, Jeffrey, YouTube is no total replacement for a good education. Sure. No, that's the truth too. There's things that I really do wish I'd learned from, you know, from an actual, uh, like a, a program we use is called After Effects. And so it's like 3D modeling, um, special effects, things like that. That stuff is, I mean, there's people that go to school for five or six years for that stuff. So it's pretty hard to learn off of YouTube. <laughs> yeah, well, that and it's, it's, and I, I, spent just a little bit of time in After Effects and that of all programs that I've ever worked with might be the most challenging and the most useful if you really can master it. Yeah, the guys that master it, man, let me tell you, their billable hours are wonderful. They don't, uh, <laughs> they, they get to have a lot of, they get to have a lot of screwing around time because everyone's knocking at their door looking for work. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. But now you still love to hunt. Oh yeah. Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, my, my job, I guess you could say was born in actually hunting and, and loving hunting. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, while I was guiding, I just guess I, I, and the best way to describe it is that I really have as much appreciation for watching the birds decoy, whether I've got a gun in my hands or not. Um, there's something about tricking them that that's the, I mean, that's why most waterfowl hunters do it, right? Uh, there's plenty of times where you could shoot at one passing by at 40 yards, but you don't because its feet aren't down. And, <laughs> and so that's kind of where the whole photography and video thing came in for me was um, I was getting to watch them get fooled either way, you know? And so if their feet down over the spread, that's really all that mattered for me. I didn't have to actually be the one pulling the trigger as long as someone was. <laughs> right. I would say I, I shoot them with a cannon. So I'm with you. Yeah. I I'm absolutely with you on that. I prefer. I would much rather shoot them with a cannon than with the actual gun. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, don't get me wrong. I have to have my days where I uh, <laughs> put the camera down and and uh, pick the Denali up. But that's just uh, that's something we do here in South Dakota when we're not out, you know, filming and working. And so. I call it work, but a lot of people don't believe me on that. No, it is work. You know, that was the funny, you know, in all those years that, and I, I mean, I did a couple episodes with you guys, you know, this year and I love it. And anybody that says that they don't love either being in front of or behind the camera, when that is what they do, they're lying out their ass. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, man, and I'm not the most egotistical guy. I know what an idiot I am. I know that, you know, the good Lord loves dumb animals, idiots, and small children, and I fall into at least two of those three categories, so <laughs> I'm humble, but I do like it, you know, but I'll tell you this, it is work. When I first started doing it, I thought, oh my gosh, I've got the greatest job in the world. These people are paying me to go around the country to shoot ducks and geese. They're giving me all my gear, and they're putting me on national TV doing it, and, you know, after one season, it was like, holy crap. This is work. It's a real job. You know, there are guys that go, I'd do it for free. Well, let me tell you, you ain't going to do it for free very dang long, even if you can afford to now, because it's work. No. Yeah, it is. It really is. And with TV, so many other things become part of the equation, right? Um, trying to keep 
competing sponsor gear out of the shots, you know, cause that that's part of it, right? You, when you go hunting and you have six, seven, eight guys in a blind, there's going to be one guy that's not wearing Sitka or there's going to be one guy not shooting a Benelli or there's going to be a guy that insists he shoots his own shells. And so, you know, that's just, that's just part of it. And as a cameraman, as a producer, you know, we're working around that. We're, uh, we're doing our best to take care of our sponsors while at the same time having to make sure we present the hunt, how the hunt happened, not just for, you know, it, not making it just a, uh, a commercial, right. But at the same time, um, telling a story, but telling a sport story with the sponsor's gear. And so right. that's never ending balance that you have to work out. It, uh, that, that's that's the work part right there. Well, it's, yeah. it, it's so much harder for the guy behind the camera than the guy in front of it, too. I mean, for us idiots in front of it, all we got to do is be able to talk, you know. Yeah. And, but for the guys behind it, you've got – because you're the one – you're the guy that if you're showing ABC brand of hunting apparel instead of Sitka, that Ricky or Bill is going to call and or Tim and say, what the heck were you doing, you know? you got to yeah. catch and be mindful and cognizant of all those things. Well, and you may have been listening before you came on here, but uh, before we, we started, Jeff and I were talking about this season, and I wanted to wait until I got you on here uh, to uh, get your perspective, because today we've got kind of a unique situation. You know, we've got – I'm over here in the Mississippi Flyway where you came – you guys came and home with me in Arkansas a few weeks ago. You're there in the Central Flyway in South Dakota. Jeffrey's out there in the Pacific Flyway. I guess I need to call somebody over on the Eastern Seaboard and we can represent the whole damn, you know, ball of wax. But this year was obviously horrible in the Mississippi Flyway. Jeffrey said same way in the Pacific what, yeah. Central Flyway. Tell me about it first. Oh, man. Well, for, okay, first, before I forget, the hunt with you at Goose Farms was something else. Um, man, those boys do it right. That was a lot of fun. We had a lot of a lot of good times and uh that was that and then our latest trip um here at big kansas uh, in Can in central kansas that was probably our two best trips of the year because um the goose farms trip you know the birds just weren't educated uh that was a big part of it it seemed like um they were pretty good at managing their birds and then well in west bond knows how to call ducks and he knows how to manage for ducks. Yeah. I mean, those guys yeah. do it right. That was evident the first night we pulled in was like, oh, boy, these these guys are in a little bit of a league of their own as far as managing birds goes. But uh, well, they're all pro yeah. NFL. You know, most people play yeah, pop sure. football. These guys, they're not just <laughs> NFL. They're all pro. I mean, Jeffrey, uh, and I don't want to digress here. Uh, matter of fact, we've got a Goose Farms video on our youtube maybe you can freshen it up it's i need to do that i've absolutely got to do that that's a, that's a great video of everything about their organization from i mean you walk into the blind there's no trash ever in any of them everything's maintained and you could literally literally eat off the floor of the boot barn because it ain't a boot room is it sean no no not one bit and how clean was it clean as can be immaculate but uh, it, it was that was a very very good experience. There's a reason for it. Those guys do it right. But anyway, I pulled you off on a tangent. No, no worries. Um, yeah. So 
you know, early on in the Central Flyway this year, uh, October, November was pretty decent. We got that cold front that came early in November. It was, uh, I want to say it was right around the 10th or 11th of November. I can't remember exactly when it was. Um, hunting was really good across a lot of the Central Flyway for a few weeks there. But the problem with an early cold front like that, you know, we were locking up here in, in mm. South Dakota, especially up northern South Dakota and North Dakota. Lakes were freezing. Um, part of the problem with locking up that early is the birds get to where they're kind of their wintering grounds are, and that's where they're at for the next two months. And man, birds got stale. Um, we always go to Angel Wing Outfitters every year in western Nebraska. And I've spent now 50 plus days there. Um, it's usually shooting fish in a barrel. It's usually really, really incredible hunting. And this year they still grinded out some good hunts, but um, they it was late December, early January, and there were still thunderstorms in Montana. And so, you know, how are you supposed to get your push of ducks and geese when they're still 40, 45 degree rains and stuff happening in uh, eastern Montana. That just doesn't set up for the Central Flyway very well. And it, man, most guys, it struggled hard. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's, uh, I want to hit on that. I want to get Jeffrey in here. So I've got a question for you in a second, Jeff. You know, for, uh, for you guys in the Central Flyway, the consistent theme was uh, the birds didn't migrate. For the longest time because of the weather being so warm and then when they did everything froze up so they just blew on down to their wintering ground so it was a combination of, of um out of the ordinary weather early on and then locking up early and everything was gone is that right sean yeah pretty much yeah, yeah it was uh it was tough yeah and you know um so for you it was a lot of ice too jeffrey what do you think contributed to such a poor season for you guys out there um, weather probably being number one. The drought I mean, there on the Salt Lake. Yeah, so we were. We, it was pretty warm. We didn't. We didn't have a lot of water um, all through the year. We were. Uh, in fact, everybody was really worried we were going to have record drought, um, which has turned around because now we've had snow and rain pretty much almost every other day since February started. But of course now, and, and now we're getting lots of ducks. We're we're seeing them all fly over now. Um, but one of it was because of the, that warmer weather, they just, they were just less active. They didn't need, they don't need to eat so much. They're not freezing. So they are just calmer. They're just staying down. They're not flying as much. Um, we also attributed to a little further North where there's just more food still readily available that they're not, they're not coming down this way. Um, but mostly everybody I talked to really felt that that weather was probably the the number one contributing factor to not getting ducks this far. You know, I think you're right. I think there's a common denominator across all three uh, flyways, and actually all four. I think this, the Atlantic Flyway, the guys I know that hunt in the Carolinas and, uh, you know, southeast Georgia there on the coastal areas, I had the same thing to say. You know, birds, we had unseasonably long fall yeah you know before we moved into winter and unseasonably warm late fall and so the birds didn't migrate it's funny and i don't know if either one of you guys seen the uh the hitler tirade closed captioned on the birds didn't migrate uh-uh 
don't think I've seen that one. Oh, yet. I'm going to share it with both you guys. And I'm also, Jeffrey, I'm going to put this up. I, actually, I'm going to share it with you, and I'm going to put it up on our Facebook page. Also. All right. So it, it'll already be there by the time this airs, but you need to go to our Facebook page. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm going to wait and share it with Facebook the day you release this. I'm going to share okay. it on our Mud Buddy page right now for you guys, too. Got it. But, uh, you know, the Ducks just didn't migrate. I mean, to the point where this this video has gone viral because that seems to be a common theme across all three, all four flyaways. But then the other thing that struck me as really unusual about this year, but I think it's going to be to our benefit later on, uh, is the second greatest factor across the three was different for each one. I mean, you look at you guys out there in the Pacific Flyway, it was weather, but it was also drought. You just don't have water. I mean, it's, you know, we've laughed on many of these podcasts about the Great Salt Lake being, you know, the Great Salt Bed. I mean, it's not. Right. The Great Salt Puddle. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The Great Salt Puddle. There you go. So for you, it was lack of water. Yeah. For the guys uh, in the Dakotas, it was a little bit of lack of water, but it was a lot of just weather and freeze. And yeah. then for us here in the Mississippi Flyway, I believe the birds did migrate down the Mississippi Flyway. The problem is we have so much water. And for our regular listeners, I'm sorry you're listening to me beat this dead horse to death, but I'm, I'm putting it in perspective with the other flyaways now. We had so much water that the birds are just everywhere. I mean, they're scattered. It's not that everywhere you look, they're birds. It's that there's, you know, there's water everywhere, so there's so many places they can be. So, I mean, it's like, is it easier to shoot, you know, if you got five fish in a five-gallon bucket, you know, or five fish right. in a swimming pool, where's it going to be easier to bow hunt? You know? right. Yeah. <laughs> right. no, I, I think too. you're absolutely right. But I think the, the one common plus all across the way is we, and also the, the bird, the counts were down. We were still way above the long-term average in our duck numbers nationwide. But we've had a decline over, you know, a peak that we hit three or four years ago on total duck numbers. I think that there's a lot of light at the end of the tunnel because of something that you just hit on, though, Jeffrey. Um, what's happening out there right now? You're getting tons of snow and rain, right? Oh, yeah, that's ex exactly. Our our winter, we've had an unseasonably long fall. That's exactly right, that it was just – it was warm. It was just, it stayed warm for a long time. We didn't lock up. We didn't have any ice. In fact, we got out um, for the uh, shallow water adventures. We were out way longer than we thought. In fact, it was always like, there's no way you're going to be able to get out next week. Everything should be frozen. And week after week, it never froze up. We were continually able to get out on the boat because it was just too warm. We just couldn't get anything to freeze. It even happened with the uh, ice fishing season out here. Like there were several tournaments that didn't get to happen because we didn't get nothing froze over. But what's like happening now? I mean, is the Great Salt Puddle is it still a puddle, or are we about it, to see a lake? No, no, it is. It has grown, of course. I mean, we've had a lot more water. Things right now, though, it's it's still a little low. But it, in the spring is when it will really fill up. So all of the the mountain reservoirs is where everything is, and it's all pretty pretty iced over and snowed in now up above. But they'll they'll open up all of those. Uh, all of those dams and all of those reservoirs will open up in the in the spring, and that and then it will really fill up. And we should actually have a pretty good summer. We're actually on on track to have a pretty normal year, water year, because of of this last month. But yeah. man, until we were all really worried that it was going to be a, a record drought year, just because we 
hadn't had anything for all of November, December, and January. Yeah. I mean, I see it looking better because, you know, there, I was talking to uh, uh, Glenn this morning and he was talking about three feet of snow up in Idaho while they were up there, 30 inches rather. And that, you know, he, he thinks with the melt off that we're going to see water in places around the Great Salt Lake that we didn't, haven't seen it in a few years. I know the last yeah. time I was there a couple of years ago, it looked horrible. Sean, what about, I mean, you're living in the duck factory and a lot yes, of people, a lot of people think that all of our ducks come from Canada, but the fact is that about a decade ago, it flipped. And actually, um, prairie, the prairie pothole region of the United States now produces more ducks than prairie Canada. Um, is that right? Is that what you understand too, Sean? I, I didn't know that. Yeah. If uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not uh, knowledgeable enough on that to speak one way or another. It is. I, I just wanted to know that. <laughs> I do know that we have a lot of ducks that nest here and you know we're as much cattle country as we are corn country so there's there's plenty of pasture and plenty of places for temporary wetlands to pop well I shouldn't call them temporary wetlands but that's what they're referred to as a lot of the time um you know our our wetlands are largely based off of snow um, we don't get enough rain to, to create wetlands here typically. Right. So we, we bank on, um, frost still being in the ground so that when the snow melts, um, all that runs to a low lying area and, you know, thus a wetland is born. And the last few years, um, it's been dry here last year. I want to say they said, uh, Aberdeen, South Dakota. I believe had a total of 3.8 inches of snow is all. Wow. And this year they're over 40 inches. Yeah. And so that, you know, that's what we've needed desperately. A lot, a large portion of South Dakota has been considered in a drought for the last uh, four years. Um, that area by Aberdeen was considered a severe drought for quite some time. And that's where a lot of ducks, I mean, that's where a lot of ducks nest is up in that country. And um, thankfully, late last summer, we got some rains, which kind of shed the drought. And then this, you know, this winter has been really wet for us. And, and honestly, I can say that I'm probably the only person in South Dakota right now that smiles every time I see snow in the forecast. <laughs> I'm thinking about the walleye and the ducks and thinking about how good that's going to be for both. Amen. You know, and that's what I'm talking about. I mean, it's looking like we're going to have a really, really good year for duck production. Uh, by the way, while you were talking, I just went to check my facts. And uh, Do you know where the, the number one state for duck production is? It's Trickland. Indiana. Really? Mm -hmm. But that's farmed ducks. That's not wild ducks. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, man, that dude is gonna be weird. Yeah, it, I, I just learned that while, while, yes, uh, in the late nineties, the, uh, I'm sorry, in the late two thousands, um, the United States uh, surpassed Canada, and now more ducks are produced in the Prairie Pothole region of the United States than in Prairie Canada. Wow. And in a lot of that is, uh, it's all tied to habitat, to pond counts, you know. And so what you're seeing there now, you know, you're smiling about the snow because when it melts off, what do you think the potholes are going to look like, you know, on a scale of one to 10 with one being a horrible year uh, with a lot of drought, you know, a lot of dry potholes to 10 being water 
and potholes everywhere. What do you think this year is going to look like, Sean, in your area? I think at least here in Northeast South Dakota, you, you can write it off as a solid 10. I mean, it's going to be awesome. There's a lot of, there's a lot of slews that um, used to, when I moved here to South Dakota, um, right out of high school, it was, these slews were, you know, just full enough to where the widgeon and pintail loved them. Um, so, you know, solid six inches to a foot of water, maybe, you know, the perfect pintail widgeon habitat. And they were everywhere. In the last few years, we've seen less pintails and less widgeon around here because those real shallow sloughs have completely dried out. Vegetation has grown back up in them. But now I, I see that those will probably fill up and you know, so you're going to have perfect duck habitat. You're going to have flooded vegetation, which, I mean, you, it doesn't get better. Right. So I'm, I'm about, looking forward to that. The good thing about the years of drought also for the prairie pot hole ridge is, uh, you know, you've got to have you've got to have sun and oxygen hit that vegetation after it dies for decomp to occur. So not only are we going to see vegetation, but there ought to be a lot of nutrients in the soil. There are going to be areas that have been dry, and so a lot of decomp has occurred. And now, as water hits them, they're going to be very, very um, nutrient-rich. And, and, you know, moving on to the Mississippi Flyway where I'm at, same things here. You know, the upper Mississippi Valley, looking really, really good for water. There are still a lot of ducks that are produced in Minnesota, uh, Minnesota. Yeah. In Minnesota, in Iowa, yeah. even in Michigan, in the UP, and those areas uh, have plenty of water. Um, on up into Prairie Canada, is still extraordinarily significant. Uh, you know, we may be producing more here in the lower 48, but uh, uh, it, it's still, we got to have Prairie Canada. And I've got friends that actually live, don't just hunt, they live in Alberta and Saskatchewan and Manitoba. And, you know, they've talked about the good snow that they've gotten recently and what the melt's going to do for up there. So, you know, I, I hear all these damn negative people, these naysayers talk about, oh, duck hunting is dying. We don't have as many ducks. You know, people in the Mississippi Flyway are freaking out because they didn't see the duck numbers. And I'm like, hey, dummy. Some of them are going to have their best season ever next year. I mean, really I mean it's going to turn back on. You know, it comes around. We don't need to abandon it. That's for damn sure way too early on and, and so i think that there's a silver lining to all of this and uh, of course we care because we're in the industry and we make a living i mean we but you know i also love the art of waterfowling and the tradition around it and i'm excited for uh what the future is going to hold i'm also excited to see uh the upcoming season of the grind i know that you got to be working your butt off editing right now Oh man, it it's just about to start. So we uh, we just finished our last grind trip. It was man, none of us ever thought we'd be going into February filming. Let me tell you that. Um, right. Last year we were done second week of January. <laughs> this year we kind of had the same plan. You know, second week of January we'll kind of be able to wrap this season. And uh, we were only home. Geez, I don't know, maybe a week, not even five days in the month of January. I mean, we we're just on the road, on the road, on the road. And uh, wow. like, no matter where we went, we couldn't make hunting good. I, I told Bill, uh, we left a good, we left good hunting. 
we left a wake of good hunting behind us everywhere we went because it seemed like we'd go somewhere, be horrible, and two days later we'd be getting pictures of how good the hunting just got. I didn't and, do you that way. <laughs> and it's uh, this this year the grind earned its name. Let me tell you, it was a grind. It was a grind. Yeah, we spent a lot of days, a lot of days filming, a lot of days on the road. You know, we, uh, I guess the best example is we went to Bismarck, North Dakota, um, and hunted north of there, south of there, west of there, east of there, you name it. Um, shot nine birds in six days. Ooh, that's painful. That's painful. That's, that's pain and agony. That's pain and agony right there. Wow. And especially when you're trying to film, um, Oh yeah. you know. But man, there's a story there. We ran the boats out of gas twice. We uh, <laughs> we uh, that is we not the, the fault of XL boats. No, absolutely not. <laughs> owners, I we are not responsible for owner stupidity. Oh, <laughs> uh, we we've been running the river. We, this was actually down in South Dakota. We've been running the river for geez a while. I was like, Bill, you know, I hope he brought. He was actually in a different boat. I'm thinking, man, I hope he brought the extra gas tank. And uh, we'd been running for maybe 45 minutes. And uh, I looked at my my uh, Onyx maps or whatever, and it showed we'd gone 19 miles. And I'm like, Bill, we better stop, you know? So we wave him down and uh, I'm like, do you bring the extra gas? And he goes, no, how far have we gone? He said, Bill, we're we're at like 21 miles now. He goes, no, we're not at 21 miles. And uh, yeah, he almost ran the gas tank dry just one way. And we still had to run back up river. So uh, he's like, he just got enthralled looking at all the ducks and geese, and and that was uh, that was another fiasco. Like I said, it was a grind. We blew trailer tires. We broke winches. You know, you name it, we did it. <laughs> season wow but we made it through it it's gonna be cool when we get to see it you know jeffrey there's a really neat invention on the side of that phone called a mute button i mean just just never mind i was gonna i was gonna make some kind of excuse how it because i i'm smart enough to have a, a macintosh along with my iphone so it actually rings my computer as well as my phone Ooh, that's so good. maybe you should look into that but that's neither here nor there i do uh, want you're right you're right you've got better toys than i do on that I, I, I I, you know so it's it's fine but that's my mistake i apologize for that but i do um i want to know a what you can tease what kind of spoilers can you give us sean on this upcoming season and i'd also love to see, i'd love to hear what's like the craziest thing you've ever shot with your camera Oh man, that's tough. All right. Uh, as far as teasers go, um, this season we're going to see diversity. You know, we're going to be everywhere all over the place. Uh, last year, it seemed like everywhere we went, we got two or three episodes out of it. So, um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of diversity in where we were. This year, people are going to see awesome hunts. They're going to see bad hunts. You know, they're going to see things go real right and things go real wrong. Um, it's going to be, this year's not going to be just a year for killing. It's going to be a year for story. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be about really 
really hitting the pavement hard and traveling for birds because that's that's what it was. Um, craziest thing I've shot with a camera. I shot a video clip one time. I was filming a, a pheasant hunt for a pheasant lodge here in South Dakota. And uh, I was filming on the blocking side. So I don't know if you're very familiar with how people walk for pheasants, but there's guys that push the cover and then there's guys that stand at the end of it, shoot the pheasants coming to them. So I was down with the blockers filming pheasants coming at me, you know, just like you were filming a duck almost. Right. Um, and this gentleman shoots a pheasant coming straight at him, realizes that this pheasant's going to hit him in the face after he has just shot it. And he turns his whole body like this to avoid getting hit in the face. And that pheasant skewered on the end of his barrel. No, no. Yeah. Oh, really? yeah just, yeah, like he'd stuck a piece of rebar right through it. And here. I, I was filming the pheasant as it gets shot all the way down to it going on his barrel. And then he kind of turns back and feels something on his barrel, realizes he has a pheasant, and then he's like parading it around, holding it up, all sorts of proud. No <laughs> way. Like, yeah. He must have been really moving then. I mean, he must have been cooking if he's going to steer it with a barrel of a. Yeah, it was cooking. I mean, it was moving. It was, it was, it was. That's got to be the wildest thing I've filmed. That is crazy. What are you doing, Jay Paul? Nah, you can just look at your phone. Oh, I got it. <laughs> I know the craziest you've been on, Sean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, might be, that might be the craziest thing. Uh, I got to share that with Jeffrey. I'm sorry, guys. This is totally that, an inside that. joke, and I cannot <laughs> – I can't even talk about it. Moving on, anyway. That is a cool story, though. Skewered on the end of a gun barrel. Yes, yeah. is incredible. Are we going to be able to see that next season? Is that going to be on there? Can you oh, say? No, you can't even say. <laughs> no, it won't be. No, it won't be. Um, that sounds amazing, though. That that's intense. I almost, Jay Paul. I don't know if I told you this, but Dave and I were out on a hunt, and he uh, shot one flying right over the head. That missed me by maybe six inches i mean I, I could have reached out and caught it like a football coming in and it uh i, I might have wet my pants just a little bit well, uh, um we caught one in the blind at goose did you, did you? yeah didn't uh, you remember that sean no you were outside yeah we had that one that came right in the blind and yeah. uh i think it was john mills reached up and just snagged it didn't have to send the dog for it great great crazy 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 stuff yeah that was that was uh that was old West Bond probably tree topping him. He's a uh, oh, he's, he's a killer, one, isn't he? Let me tell you, I I've seen a lot of great shots. He's he's right there at the top of them all. He if he's standing up to pull the trigger, you better beat him to it because he's not gonna miss. There's no backing him up. That's for sure. Good deal. Well, hey, um, I know you know I promised you when I when we were setting this thing up earlier today that uh. It'd be a 20 or 30 minute ordeal, but man, this has been so much fun. We've gone way, way long. I, I regret that I've kept you longer than I promised you. It's kind of like, but it's so much fun. It's kind of like a buddy of mine who's got 11 kids. I once asked him, I said, dude, you've got 11 children. He said, I know what was causing it. It was just too much fun to quit. You know? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, you know. well, I feel like there are ways around that. Not everybody <laughs> be aware of. I mean, I feel like not. But anyway, it's been a lot of fun, man. I'm, I'm sorry I kept you long, but it's been very entertaining. No, no now, uh, before we let you go, so the grind waterfowl, 
coming up. Uh, this will be the second full season. With yeah, this will be the second. This will be the second year of us producing it. Um, there's been a few different producers over the year, over the years. Uh, this is this will be the second full season of us. We're going to be coming out with teasers here over the next few months from each hunt. Um, when I get off the phone here, I'm going to work on uh, finishing up this one from Canada with uh, Prairie Limits Outfitters up there. And uh, yeah, follow on Instagram, the Grind Waterfowl TV. Uh, Facebook, YouTube, same deal. It's uh, it's growing. It's doing better. We've got some awesome stuff coming. It's uh, man, it's a lot of fun. I gotta say, it's it's fun getting to film a waterfowl TV show. I love it. Wouldn't trade it for anything. Absolutely. Cool, man. Thank you so much for being our guest. Uh, you know, first time we've had you on the show. I hope it won't be the last. Uh, tradition here, all the way. Also, by the way, first time on the show, we got to ask you one question, uh, and I don't know because I didn't look because you were never in the blind. But if you and I are duck hunting in the blind, and I'm talking to you and have your attention, and Jeffrey goes to get in your blind bag to to steal a quick snack, what's he gonna find? You know those. Uh... Six pack of crackers with the cheese in the middle. Yeah, the yeah. cheddar cheese crackers. That's what's going to be in there. Jeffrey always loves a good six pack. Uh, <laughs> Am I lying? That is absolutely true. Uh, just about anything. Hey, man, six pack of crackers. That's awesome, dude. Well, thank you very much, man, for, for being on here with us today. We look forward to the premiere. It'll happen in July, start of the third quarter on the Pursuit channel this year, correct? You got it, and then uh, it'll air on Pursuit Channel, and then two weeks later we'll release them on social, so YouTube and Facebook. We can't wait to see them. I know it's going to be some really, really good stuff, man, and thank you for sticking with us so long today. You got it. Thanks, Jay Paul. Thanks, Jeffrey. You're welcome. Thanks for being on. It's been a pleasure. You got it. Thanks. I'll tell you what, buddy. This has been one of the best that you and I have done together, hadn't it? I think so. Well, you know, I'm, I'm also a little biased, so I feel that anyone that I am personally involved in is, of course, the best. <laughs> I, well, I got to agree with you, although I do miss Dave. Don't, I want to show him plenty of love because he's awesome, and hopefully he'll be back with us uh, next week or later this week. Actually, it'll be you and I again. And he will be. He may, he may join us, though. For, those, uh, for the one later this week, he'll probably be on with us, I believe. Cool. Although he may not have his pretty face because if I'm not around, he, he feels like he can just slack off and use a, a telephone. And, and we're better than that, Jay Paul. We we're are. Better. <laughs> You've got to leave him with the keys to the technology. And exactly. it, it will have already occurred by the time this broadcast, but I'm looking at my clock. In 48 hours, you'll be touching down in Louisville, Kentucky, and we'll uh, finally get to meet in person, hang out together. It's going to be exciting. Going to be going to be a whole whole lot of fun, uh, you know. Can't wait to get there and do it together. And uh, got some really cool episodes coming up. It was nice to have Sean with us today to kind of break up a little bit of the catfish mania that we've had going on. Right, all gonna catfish have, all day. It seems like. Yep, going to have uh, another special guest from the hunting world, not from the catfishing world, coming up here in about a week or so. Uh, our buddy Dexter Roberts. Um, you may have seen him on American Idol, and. Uh, if you if you watch The Voice uh, this week, guys, be watching. He's on there right now, probably on the day that this airs. He's going to be on there that very night on his blind audition for The Voice. And we're going to have Dexter 
uh, also here, our buddy on the show with us. So that's coming up in future podcasts. Of course, a couple of our catfishing pro staff guys, uh, Jeff Dodd, who's always entertaining coming up. So a lot of good stuff coming up. But, uh, you know, today was great. And for all you guys out there listening, on behalf of Jeffrey and myself, I hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors.